Hello again and welcome to the Master's Voice. I am Celestial and you are welcome to this channel. To old and new subscribers alike, you are very welcome. If you are a new subscriber, I cannot recommend highly enough that you speed up your navigation on this online resource, for that is what the Master's Voice is. It is a prophetic online resource. I can't recommend highly enough that you speed up how you use the blog by first of all going to the written blog. It is very, very important for you to read the prophetic words of the Lord Jesus Christ in print for yourself. There will be talking here and there will be talking there and there are the videos to make it easier for you to go through the material. But when you read the blog, there's some kind of exchange that happens on a different level. Reading the words of the Lord for ourselves is extremely important. That's why we are always to read our Bible, to spend time in the word of God in the morning and at night. And if you have time to consciously make time to read your Bible in the afternoon. So when you read these prophetic words in print, you will begin to develop a feel for God's voice. And I can't stress enough to Christians, whether you have been a, a Christian for 30 years, 40 years, however long all your life you got baptized at age five, God bless you. However, because of the time period that we are in, a time period where deception is increasing, a time period where increasingly people think that their mindset substitutes the Bible. People think that their feelings and their personal beliefs, wherever they picked up their beliefs from, people who don't study the word of God, people who know that they are not learned in the scripture, but they still want to have an opinion in this large soup of humanity. We are in the time where deception is going to take a very large bunch of us as its prize. Deception is going to be the primary harvester of human lives in the end of time. Remember that when Jesus' disciples asked him in Matthew 24, they were concerned because they could hear his speech changing. It sounded as if he wasn't going to be with them. He was sounding more and more so-called apocalyptic. And so out of concern, they were asking, well, tell us when these things will be. And the first thing he said, he didn't say, um, watch out and see where the eagles gather because that is where the body will be. And he didn't speak about an end times temple and things like that. The very first thing out of our Lord and Savior's mouth was, take heed that no man deceive you. Deceive you. So that is the first thing that he said. And I always strongly advocate that you must spend time in the word of God for yourself because spending time in the word of God enables you to develop an ear for what the Holy Spirit sounds like. When you develop an ear for what the Holy Spirit sounds like, as you go about your daily life, you will be better able to discern when you hear speech, by what spirit does this speech come? I hear the speech, but what is the spirit behind it? And you will know when the Holy Spirit is speaking because the Lord said that when the Holy Spirit comes, he will take of what is mine and he will make it known to you. So that means that the secret things that are the Lord's, as well as the revealed things that are the Lord's, revealed things are anything you can find in the Bible. Secret things are, for instance, revelations that the Lord gives to us through prophecy. It might be prophecy that is coming specifically for the time of the end that we're in now, or it might be prophecy that has been laying not stagnant, but sort of idle, awaiting the time of its fulfillment. The Holy Spirit will take those ancient things and bring those things into the modern era and begin to break it and share it with us. 
And what is the purpose of that? Why would the Holy Spirit be doing that? It's necessary because Jesus is now separating the wheat from the chaff. This was not a planned introduction, but this is just where the Lord is leading and nudging my heart. And I'm going to say it. The Lord is now, he told us for as often as we do communion, right? He said, for as often as you do this to drink his blood and eat his flesh, do this in remembrance of me. So he is now breaking a new kind of bread and he is handing it out. And all who are his children and who hear his voice will take up that bread and participate with him and sup with him in the knowledge of the times, the years that are ahead. But goats will not be able to eat this bread. Whenever I say these things, then people say, oh no, it's a special kind of manipulation now. She's getting her followers to become a cult. Listen to me. There is a game of, it is above chess. Where we are now, it has left checkers and bingos in the shade. It is above world championship chess. We are in an era where for the most part, even trained lifetime Christians are finding themselves faltering because the landscape is changing. And remember, in every game, there are stakes. Every game has a stake. What are we playing for? What's on the table? Are we playing for poker chips? Are we betting our cars? Some sick people out there play their games and they bet their wives. Some of them are so deep in it that when they run out of money, they bet their homes, their tangible assets, their car keys, they throw it in. But modern day Christians, what are you playing with? You're playing with that one invaluable thing invaluable thing, your soul. That's what's on the table now. That's why the game is so high stakes. You get deceived. You might get eliminated from the board before we even get going. You keep your wits about you, but then you allow someone to trick you or entangle you or you being rebellious, get led aside by the lusts that are in your heart. We're in a crucial time period and all you can focus on is how's the election gonna go? This is what you think you should focus on. Not knowing that God is getting ready to bundle this, just bundle this nation up like an Amazon package and just ship it into what we call perdition, which is a state of reprobate fallenness from which you cannot come, but you are fully vested in knowing how the goat nation that cannot be renewed to repentance, the United States of America, well, who, who's gonna be on the ticket? Well, more power to you, to the rest who actually care about the high stakes game that we are in. Have a care for your soul. Jesus says that take heed that no man deceive you. Taking heed means pay attention and function responsibility. So you don't hear him saying, don't worry, I'll see to it that no man will deceive you. So it's not Jesus's responsibility for you not to be deceived. It is your responsibility not to be deceived, not to be led after the lusts of your own heart, not to elevate yourself to the point where when the spirit is taking of the things that are the fathers and bringing them to you, then you cannot receive because you're saying, well, what is this? I'm getting ready to go into a series that is completely 
tied into the things that I have been speaking about for the last few days, God's exposure of the people who say that they are Jews, but they are not. They are lying. They say that they are the people of the ancient book, but they are not. Revelation chapter 2 and 9 and Revelation chapter 3 and 9. They are a false synagogue, a synagogue of Satan. And so far on earth, there is only one group of people who worship in synagogues. And so the Lord has exposed that these people are lying. The Lord has exposed that these people are actually the proud and arrogant perpetrators of a global con that they have been having the world on, that they have been lying to all living souls for as long as anybody can remember that this is the longest, excuse me, please, the longest running lie in history. And so in, in carrying on with the prophecies that the Lord has been giving me, the Lord has been having me here, come here and proclaim boldly with my face out in front of all of you, no matter where you're watching from, just to let you know how little I care about what the audience thinks. This is a total non-focused on the audience platform. I can't see you. I do not know you. The things that you say, whether pleasant or unpleasant, they will not enter my heart because my heart has a shield on top of it where the Lord prepared me for the work that I am doing. And so I'm making this video because the Lord has been laying certain things on my heart. And before I go into this series that will continue the set of prophecies that I have been making, I think there are about four. And I did make one I made one already, but the Lord told me you're going to make all of them again. You're going to make them as a boxed set, so to speak. So even that one that I made a lot of years ago, I'm going to have to revisit it and I'm going to have to do it anew as a fresh prophecy. If you want to go and watch that prophecy, it is called America in Chains. And it speaks of the fact that slavery will be again in the earth. The United States of America perpetrated slavery in the past. And though she strongly says it is in the past, the Lord has made it very clear that he doesn't understand why human beings who live for five seconds would think that he, in front of whom a thousand years is as one day, that he has the same memory span as us. I have shared here before that God says he doesn't understand why people think that the passage of time is all you need to remove sin. So grave sins are committed in a nation by a people, and then people think that the sin goes away when the people who committed the sin goes away. And I don't know why you would think that, because the wicked don't get away with anything. You murder someone in the 1930s, even if you die 40 years later, they will still dig up the body and your little wallet would have fallen into the hole and they will find out who you are and then your descendants will be shamed. They did not commit the crime, but they'll be miserable in that town when it's found that grandfather, whoever, grandfather Crenshaw committed the crime. God does not forget. God is brighter than the sun and the sun shines at its appointed hour and then it goes down. But God is brightness all the time. Everything that is done in darkness will come to light. This is Ephesians chapter five and verse 11. If you want to go and look at it, 11, 12, and I think 13, where it says, don't have anything to do with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. And then it says, for it is a shame to speak of what they do in secret. So then all the Christians who love sin, and they love to see the sinners continue standing in the pulpits, they love to see the sinners continue sitting in the White House, 
They love to see the sinners in their families who have been molesting children. He's old now, and besides, I just don't believe that he would do that. You are wicked when you support the wicked. You expose your heart. And as Jesus Christ is breaking off his bread and feeding it to those who are his, those who want to participate in his communion, his final communion of the truth, you won't be able to eat that bread. The separation of darkness and light will become so stringent that all of you fakers who fake that you are saved, all of you who pretend to name the name of Jesus, and yet your hearts are black with sin because you support the sinful status quo and you want to claim that darkness should not be exposed because, oh, the Bible says it is a shame to speak of the things that are done in darkness. Yes, but the previous verse says, don't have anything to do with unfruitful works that happen in darkness, but rather expose them. And then the writer says, for it is a shame to speak of the things that they do in secret. So that verse is sandwiched in between one verse saying, speak it out. And then the verse that comes after says, what does it say? For that which exposes evil is light. So what the writer is actually saying is, though we hate to have to mention such diabolical acts because the things that the wicked have done cause shame, we are not going to prove unfruitful by participating in the acts, but we will expose them. And then it goes to the other verse and says, for anything that exposes darkness is light. So if you've ever had an infestation of cockroaches in your house, you know that once the lights go down, they lit, up, they light up their disco ball and the party starts. But then when you come into the kitchen at 2 a.m. because you want water and you put the lights on, what happens when light comes, what the roaches are doing in the darkness gets exposed. So these are the last days. God has been gravely and greatly and shamefully disappointed by people that he trusted, by people that he raised up, by people that he gave leadership and governance power, by people in the ecclesia. This is the church that God entrusted his extremely lazy and complacent people to. He entrusted a lazy and complacent church to these leaders, and the leaders have filled them with wormwood bitterness, the things that they have fed you with, it will eat a hole in your side like acid when you find out who you've been eating from. And the Lord has more than me that he is raising up in these end days. The Lord is going to bring people with the same hot fire in their mouth that I have. And you, the false church, and you, the compromising Christian who is not false, but you are simply adulterated which means that you are mixed with false and true. You are mixed about with leaven. The Lord is going to bring people like me, more and more of us, and the fire that will come out of us, it will either burn you straight or it will burn you out. You won't have a choice. You will either burn and be purged and refined into something that heaven can accept, or you will leave and fall away. Those are the only two options that are there. And so to help you catch up with all the things that are on this blog, there are quite, quite, quite a lot of things that are on this blog. And the Lord has laid so many things on my heart. And so I'm making this video just to, to set a few things in order 
for you and for myself so that going forward, I know that many, 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 many new people have come. And the only thing that I can give you is one welcome to say welcome to the Master's Voice Prophecy blog and to let you know that whether you like what is said here, whether you don't like it, whether you have a problem with the delivery, you will either stay or go. And I know that the majority will fall out of this fold because the learning curve and the requirements of holiness that we will need to be able to stand in the fallen times, you hear that the end times are coming. You hear that creatures that have lived before, that never died but were separated from us, our worlds are going to collide again. And then you think with a weed smoking and a fornicating life, you're going to stand in front of a creature and, oh no, I'll just bind it. I heard that you can just bind it in the name of Jesus. What Jesus? Which, who is, which one? Which one are you going to use to command spiritual wickedness in the high places? Diabolical darkness come down on its eight legs to stand in front of you. Where, where is the authority you're going to use when your robe is defiled? The creature looks at you. It looks for the breastplate of righteousness. The thing is falling off. So it looks and is trying to give you another chance. Okay, the belt of truth. You don't know anything about the Bible. Why? Because you thought that having back and forth arguments on TikTok meant that you had actually studied for the decades that some of us have been reading our Bible. Then it tries to give you a third chance and says, okay, let me just check his feet. If he has the sandals of the gospel, there's nothing. You're in flip-flops. No helmet of salvation on your head. He checks your hand. You don't have a sword. The other hand, your faith is negative 3,000. Respectfully, what do you want the creature to do? What do you want the mermaid lady to do when you're standing there naked as a jaybird and then just screaming, Jesus, Jesus, what do you think will happen? I've had Christ Christians come to this blog and tell me, Celestial, I'm a bit nervous because I'm listening to you and then the Lord showed me a dream and the UFO was taking me. Now, why would the UFO be able to take a Christian? You are full of faith. You are shining brighter than the sun. You know more than Apostle Paul. So why is the thing able to lift you off the ground and start carrying you? Because there's nothing in you. You have no weight. You are lighter than a lost chicken feather that can't find the chicken it fell off of. And instead of using this time to store up the oil of Matthew 25, like the wise virgins who had oil and then carried a little extra with them because they didn't know what the situation was going to demand, you just have a little oil in the lamp and you're assuming that it's early rapture bus time and you won't be here for anything that the woman is talking about. God is laying things on my heart about obedience. If you cannot work on your obedience, Christian, the Lord is telling you to do something and you're like, I thought I heard a voice, but I wasn't sure. I thought I heard, heard a voice, but I thought it was just my mind. So you're still playing those games. You thought you heard the voice because... Who are the voices that are coming to you and telling you to do good things, holy things, righteous things? You heard the voice and you just don't want to obey it. So in the future time, when obedience now ramps up and we are playing, let's just call it above chess. When we are playing above chess, where now God will send an urgent message to your heart and then you will start that same thing that you're doing now. I thought I heard a voice. Then... When you come to harm, we will just look at you. There will be nothing to do. Nobody's going to be having over-the-top reactions in those days. Nobody will want to get shot. Nobody will want to be told, 
Does anyone else have an opinion? Whatever happens to you, because you can't obey, because the Lord is trying to preserve you, what you don't practice now, you will never be able to perfect when the pressure is on. This is a basic. You go for jobs, don't you? You go for interviews, don't you? What do you do before you go to the interview? You prep. Nobody sits in the interview and starts going through cue cards and saying, just a moment, I, I, I want to look this up. I want this job, but I never studied what your company does. Let me look up your annual numbers. Let me look up your, your last report, your last quarterly report. Nobody does that in front of the interviewer because the interview is when the pressure is on. So everything that you are neglecting to do now because you're too busy or you don't have time or it's too hard, imagine when the pressure is on and life is the cost on the table. Imagine that during the time of civil war is the time you now want to start learning the Lord is my shepherd. Now is the time you want to start learning how to memorize Psalm 91 when your heart is failing you like Luke 21 and 26 says. I will start this video after this very helpful introduction to those who are listening with a dream that I had. I didn't write down this dream. I had the dream on January the 8th and it's a pretty straightforward dream. And as with most of my dreams, I see them and I know what the Lord is saying to me. So I had this dream on January the 8th. And even though I didn't write it down, I did find something that I would like to show you concerning it. And so when the time comes, I will then put that into play. So on January the 8th, um, I had a dream from the Lord and I dreamt that it's as if God was looking down on us from a heavenly perspective. And he was looking down probably here at this New York City because it was an extremely busy metropolis that I found myself in. And gazing down from his perspective, I recognized myself down there in the crowd. So it's as if I was seeing from above, but I am not saying that I was above. I was just seeing the upper perspective, looking down and watching people. And in the middle of the busy crowd going to and fro, to and fro, I saw myself going about my normal day. And then all of a sudden, there began to come a download to me out of heaven from the Lord. So I was walking, 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 and then I saw first appearing on my head two symbols, two symbols. I wish I'd, I'd, I wish I'd taken the time to find a picture, but I'm sure that most of you will know what I'm talking about. The first symbol was the symbol for Wi-Fi. You know, the symbol for Wi-Fi is just that small nub, then a bigger one, then a bigger one, then a bigger one, going out kind of like a V-shaped rainbow like that. So one symbol appeared on my head like this, and it was green. It was the Wi-Fi signal. And then another signal appeared on the other side of my head, and it was a siren. You know, the emoji for a siren um, is just a loudspeaker or a bullhorn, something like that. So a Wi-Fi signal appeared on one side of my head, and a bullhorn appeared on the other side of my head. So they lit up. At first they were gray, and then they began to glow and glow and glow and glow up green, green like that, you know? So first the Wi-Fi signal lit up. The Wi-Fi signal lit up first, actually. And then I paused and I closed my eyes and the Lord began to just pour information into me, just pour a message into me. 
and it happens like that. And then I'm not paying attention to what people are saying to me. I can be in a social situation, can be nodding at the people, but I'm not hearing a thing that they say, because obviously there's no competition between people talking to you and God talking to you. And people who know me will usually just notice that I'm not paying attention and then they will just carry on among themselves until I'm back social. Even with work, they don't notice it because, you know, you just have to know how to carry yourself. So the Wi-Fi signal lit up and I closed my eyes because I was just in public and I was listening and information was coming into me, coming into me, coming into me from the Lord. And then when he had finished talking to me, the Wi-Fi signal became muted green and the siren signal, the loudspeaker signal became a bright green. So the first one was bright when the message was coming in, a download was coming in, and then the other one became bright. And so I thought, I thought that now I am going to speak. Now I'm going to speak and say whatever it is that I have come. But instead of just opening my mouth and speaking, I laid my head all the way back and I opened my mouth as wide as it possibly could. And this sound began to come out of my mouth. Please listen. That is an air raid siren. That is an air raid siren. Now, if you're over there in Asia, you probably have heard this sound so many times in your life because of tsunamis, because of the monsoon, because of hurricanes, because of so many devastating types of disasters. If you're old enough to still be alive from World War II, you will know the sound. This is an air raid siren. Here's what the thing looks like here. I just found a video and that's what it is. It's just something that they put on the ground, but in some countries, obviously because of flooding and everything, you won't leave it on the ground. They mount it on the highest poles that they can find. And so that is what this dream was about, I saw myself just going about my or ordinary day. And then as the Lord always does, he just intervened. God will never ask you, I'm sorry, do you have a moment? It will just happen. He will even wake you up from a very sound sleep and tell you, take your pen and write. And so that is the meaning of being available. But the download came and then I thought I would speak. I would speak the word, but instead I laid my head and I opened my mouth so wide and this blasting sound came out. I mean, I was just releasing the sound without effort. It was just effortlessly coming out of me. And let me tell you what happened. Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. Those people just carried walking by me, getting their coffee, getting on, getting to the subway, walking their dogs, just walking and 
utterly deaf, utterly oblivious to this strident, strident means aggressively loud that you cannot ignore it. This strident tone of warning. The air raid siren is what they use when an enemy is coming unexpectedly and the people in charge, the people who switch this thing on and off know that the enemy is coming and the enemy is going to cause great damage. And the speed with which the enemy is coming doesn't leave you time to go, hi, this is a 4117XK broadcast to town X and this X, and it looks like enemy planes are coming in, or it looks like enemy subs. You go with the air raid siren because it will cut across a busy day. It will cut into sleep. It will cut into all activities. When you hear this sound, it's a visceral reaction. It is a primal reaction because what this sound says clearer than anything else is danger is approaching. Danger is evident. Take wise actions, take cover. You hear this when earthquakes hit or are about to hit when the tremors really start and the tremors keep going for a while and the experts know it's going to get bad. You hear, you hear this sound when tsunamis are expected. You hear this sound when hurricanes are about to make landfall. In other words, this sound will never be made for reckless love. This kind of sound is never made for peaceful preaching. This kind of sound will never come to a nation that is doing well, a nation that is walking in righteousness, a nation with soft-hearted people who, when they hear warning, immediately act like Nineveh and say, well, it's time for us to fast. It's time for us to humble ourselves. It's time for us to look at where we missed it because the judgment of the Lord against us is righteous. There is no way under this heaven that the Lord will ever send this sound to a righteous and a holy people. God has sent this sound to you, America, for four and a half years now. And for the most part, no matter how much the people who are gathered here feel that we're doing great, I know that we are not doing great because I know the things that the Lord says to me that he will do here. And what's more, I have not hidden from you the things that the Lord says that he will do here, the things that the Lord continues to say to you that he will do here. I shared about the dream that I had, I think it was in December, that the Lord woke me up after a dream and he was speaking to me about certain things. The dream where I said that I saw hybrids in the bank, hybrids masquerading as people. Part of that dream and the things he was talking to me about after when I woke up was that I saw a large number on the wall and the number was 0 0.16, something like that. And the Lord said to me, Celestial, that is all you've done so far. That is all you've done to prepare my people. That's your number. That is all you've done to warn them. That is all you've done to turn them away from their own folly and their own self-destruction. And I was appalled because the amount of hours that I invest here, there's hardly any hours left for me. And I'm not complaining about it. I'm not complaining about it because Romans chapter 12 tells us that it's our reasonable service to God when we offer up our bodies 
holy and acceptable unto God? That means all the silly questions, all the accusations. Well, who are you anyway? I'm the one who's sitting here. I'm the one who's sent. It's not my pastor. If he was here, he would still have to read from my tablet and then ask me what it means because the Lord gave the words to me and the interpretation is inside my vessel. 0 0.16. So not even a whole number one, still a fraction. So contrary to how it looks, it is encouraging when more people come and listen. But then those people have to be just like the house people when they buy a broken down house. I think they flip it. They flip the house. They still have to put the house on the market and someone still has to buy it. So that means you can't come and these prophecies and the teaching and the exhortation and the rebuke can flip you. But we will only know the fruit of your tree if you actually make it to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And that's not on me. It's completely on those who are listening. So the Lord is releasing this warning into the world. But right here, he's releasing this warning into America. And I'm here to tell you that people were not moved. They were not interested. This sound made no dent in their day. And so, I have written down, I've shared the dream from January the 8th, 2024. And um, there are some scriptures that the Lord has given me to read in your hearing so that you can understand what is taking place when the prophetic word is coming forth? If you are experiencing difficulty sharing these prophecies with your family, if you are experiencing rejection sharing these prophecies with your family, well then, that is par for the course. These prophecies will not be received by everyone for the simple reason that there are particular prophetic judgments that are resting on America. So it is not by mistake that I have shared this dream of the air raid siren. God is warning America because God is just. God is righteous. After all, God is the only wise judge. God is a just judge and God is a good judge. He's a righteous judge. And so even if earthly judges cannot give you a sentence before they first read you the charges and then give you a fair trial, as fair as men can manage anyway, if human judges will not judge you without first giving you a chance to argue your case and things like that, then why do we think God will do that? God is reading America, her charges. All these prophecies, anyone you click, it will be like a really disappointing birthday gift. You will never open any of these prophecies and on the face of them be happy with what you hear. The prophetic messages of the Lord will challenge you they will go to the roots and the core of what you think you knew about your own righteousness, what you think you knew about the church, what you think you knew about Christianity, and it will just scatter it because it's based on juice and lies. It will scatter it. If the word of God doesn't scatter the falsehood in you, then how do you line up with what Jesus said in Matthew 24 and verse 4? Take heed that no man deceive you. If you are already deceived and nobody comes to shine a light on the deception and kick it out of your life, how can you be saved? 
It means that you're being eliminated at the beginning of this journey that is laid out for us to walk through in Matthew 24. If you can't even notice deception and get rid of it, then what chance do you have when the false Christs show up with their miracles, followed by the false prophets who will be doing the most? These men and these women will receive power to do false miracles. If possible, those miracles will fool the elect because a dead person brought back to life is a dead person brought back to life. If you don't have the Holy Spirit for the Holy Spirit to tell you that is by Azazel's power that that body has been reanimated. That is by the power of the depths that that man who was dead now breathes. Stay away from that and get out of the church. Then you'll just be right in the midst with the other clappers going, surely the power of God is alive in these end times. Many of you are going to be clapping for false miracles simply because people without discernment think that a sign is a sign is a sign. You cannot tell when the spirit is unclean. And God has a message even for that about the blasphemy that many people have committed. Many, many people in this hour are committing blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And you are going to get such a horrid shock when you stand before the Holy One of Israel, the Holy One of all flesh, and you find that there is no forgiveness for that sin. The Bible says that you can even blaspheme Jesus and be forgiven for it, but you cannot blaspheme the Holy Spirit. That means you cannot attribute the words and the works of the Holy Spirit to a devil, to witchcraft, to divination, when the spirit speaks and you say, Baal speaks, when the Lord reproves and you say, witchcraft at work, where are you going from that? What pocket are you going to take that back and tuck that into? Which prayer are you going to pray to undo that? And so, the reason that the words of warning are not being heard, we will first look at, let me get my trusty Bible here. We will first look at Isaiah chapter six. This video is going to cover many different things that the Lord has been bringing up, many different things that he's been laying out. And so it may not have an exact format, but I believe that it will answer questions. I believe that it will reprove our hearts of righteousness, which means that if you were about to cross a line and be like the ones who have already crossed lines that they can't come back from because they've already exalted themselves and already said uh, the Holy Spirit's words are a demon, the Holy Spirit's words are witchcraft, even if you delete the video now, you can't repent of the sin. The Bible says that there's no forgiveness for you in this life or the life to come. And so how costly. And modern Christians will say, oh no, I don't think so. But then um, with me, it's never thinking. It's just looking into the word of God. Once it's in print there, um, you will swallow it how you will swallow it. And so we're looking in Isaiah chapter six and it says, um, what will we look at here? We will look at Isaiah's calling before the Lord. So Isaiah had a father who was also in the ministry, and then the Lord simply carried on that. And that's how the Lord would sometimes do it. This gift would move down 
sort of among the priests and stuff like that. But Isaiah definitely is called. And Isaiah is simply giving a small testimony of how it was that he was called, that he saw the vision of the Lord sitting high. And so let's read it. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hands a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it, and he said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. And he said, This is the part that is directly to the United States of America. The part that might give, that will give if you are listening, because I've read this so many times, at least 10 times over the years on camera as the Lord leads me to speak. The Lord then gives that, um, a directive to now a consecrated, now a chosen, now a called out, and now a purified Isaiah. So Isaiah has gone from just being an ordinary human being, a guy in the lineage of people who have served the Lord. Um, Isaiah was even married to a woman who was a prophetess. And now Isaiah has been activated in his ministry. So a true prophet will always have what I've called here before an origin story, an interaction in which the Lord will present himself to that person in a mistake, in unmistakable way to let them know that he has need of a vessel. He has need of a servant. He has need of a person who, when he is calling you, you are now a sanctified set apart thing. So we hear Isaiah saying that when he observed the scene of God in his holiness, God seated in glory, the smoky filled chamber where the Lord is sitting, angels flying about glorifying God, and one of them proclaiming with a voice so booming that it causes those great and heavenly door pillars and doorposts to shake and tremble with the voice of one angel. Please take note, America. Your false, your false prophets tell you that they see angels all the time. And I've just remarked on this in the past. These people tell you that they have three angelic visions in a night, like Uncle Scrooge. And they claim that they keep their feet. The angel spoke to me and I heard and I said, yes, really? So we're keeping our feet now when these doorpost shakers are speaking to us. Daniel, who was greater, dropped like a dead man when the angel spoke to him. But then the mighty ones in America keep their feet and they come to testify about it on the pulpits. So anyway, humble Isaiah, who sees the Lord sitting in grandeur and sees some of the Lord 
servants with their six wings flying around says to himself, Whoa, I am not clean and my mouth is not fit. So he knows that he's being called, but he's trembling when he sees who is calling him and sending him to speak on his behalf. And he says, I'm not clean and I'm living in the midst of people who are not clean. And now I have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. And then the Lord handles one part of Isaiah's problem. Please listen to this if you've never had this passage open for you before. Isaiah notes two problems. He says, I'm not holy enough to serve you, God. And the people that I'm living with are not holy enough because I've seen the king of all of us. Then the Lord handles one part of Isaiah's observations. He sends an angel to get a coal from the altar. And with that coal, he sanctifies and he purifies Isaiah's mouth. So Isaiah's mouth that has just pronounced, I'm not enough and I cannot. Isaiah's mouth is given a do-over. The mouth is sanctified. The mouth is commandeered. To commandeer something means that you take it over, just like pirates take over ships on the seas. They jump on the ship that doesn't belong to them, and then they take it over. With this coal, the angel sanctifies a human mouth, pronouncing it now fit to carry the oracles of God. So Isaiah's first observation is handled when he is sanctified with the coal. And he is told, your iniquity is now purged and your sin has been taken away. But the second part, verses 9 and 10, the people are not sanctified. The people are not purged. In fact, God is basically telling Isaiah, I'm purging you, I'm pardoning you, and I'm sending you out to prophesy to people that I'm going to do no such thing for. You, I'm showing mercy, and you will carry the words forth, but you will carry it to a people deaf and blind. And the reason you will carry it, and I will leave them in that state, is so I can judge them. So now we come to it. It is claimed that there is no mercy, and it is claimed that the words of the Lord are doom and gloom, and it is claimed that there is no love. And what, God, what is God saying here in his interaction with Isaiah? When I love you, I'll make you holy. I'll purge you. I'm gonna tap on your shoulder and tell you, I don't like that. Stop that. Get rid of that. So then love is not accepting you in a fallen, decrepit, and sinful state. Love is tapping you on the shoulder and saying, I'm seated in righteousness and there are holy ones flying around me, praising me all day. And if you ever want to get a chance to enter into this environment, you will need to let go of iniquity and have sin purged. So love is actually telling you what is wrong, what is unacceptable, and that you are to depart from it with speed. Love is not saying, but there's grace. Why don't you preach to us about grace? Because Jesus Christ is grace. And here grace is speaking and saying, them I will destroy. So here are the two verses concerning 
the hard-heartedness, the shut eyes, the waxen hearts, the blocked ears of the United States. This will explain, excuse me please, why people outside of the borders are hearing these messages and coming in their droves, but people inside the message, inside the borders, fight the message and attempt to suppress it, but you cannot because these are the words of the Lord. Go and tell these people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of these people dull and their ears heavy and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and return and be healed. Now God says to Isaiah, go out, tell them that they will keep on hearing, but they won't understand what they hear and tell them that they will keep on seeing, but they will not perceive what they're looking at. So right there, God is talking about a spiritual bluntness that will make people unable to receive the information that's coming to them. So there's no problem with the information. There's something scrambling up once the information comes out into the wider world. And God is saying that Isaiah will make them heavy. How will Isaiah make the people heavy? Well, it's the same thing that Moses caused in Pharaoh. Moses never touched Pharaoh, but God was telling him that Pharaoh would be hardened. And I've explained here that nobody actually touched Pharaoh's heart and made it hard. What happened is that every time the prophetic word came, Pharaoh made his heart like a brass shield against the word because that was the only way that Pharaoh could keep superiority. That was the only way that Pharaoh could say, I'm the king of Egypt and I will never listen to dirty little shepherd boys. You work for me. All your people are my property. You can't tell me anything. I don't care whose behalf you are speaking on. And so in order to keep Moses's word from entering into the heart, because we know that the heart is a field. Psalm four tells us that it says, guard your heart, guard your heart above all else, because out of it comes words of life. So it's a place where receiving of information happens. People say things to us and it enters into our hearts. And we've seen in the modern era that sometimes words enter in so deeply that people commit suicide on the back of those words. That's because words like arrows go in. They damage the heart, not the physical heart, but actually the core, the center where a man's spirit dwells. And then when, when you are punctured on the inside, you begin to hemorrhage. And that's when demons will attack and begin to tell you it's true what they said. They're right in what they said. You should kill yourself. And that is how people leave this earth, simply because of words. Sometimes Pharaoh was never going to accept a word that Moses said. And Moses didn't know that, but God knew that. And so all God told him is, no, he, he will be hardened, but God didn't touch him and Moses didn't touch him. What happened is the prophecies of the plagues touched him. And in order to stop them entering his heart, he hardened his heart like a brass shield 
but he made the fatal mistake of under forgetting that every time you harden yourself against the word of the Lord, look at my hands meshed like this. It gets a little bit harder each time to unstick them until finally they stick together and the brass shield stays formed and then nothing can get in. And then you are destroyed because of your hard heart. This is a time-honored, tried and tested biblical pattern. It has happened to so many people. Some of them, it ended in death, Samson, Saul, Pharaoh, and then at least one notable example, Nebuchadnezzar. God ripped that shield apart to show himself glorious in that man's life. And so this is what the Lord is saying, that every time the prophecy comes, instead of finding good ground, it will find brass hearts, hearts that harden video by video, post by post, TikTok by TikTok, Instagram by Instagram, Facebook by Facebook, upload by upload, the shield is being formed. And then in the day of judgment, pull though you might, majority of people will not be able to pull that brass apart because you may put the brass together, but God is going to then bake it for you. He will bake that hard heart into that posture and then there will be nothing to do. This is why this nation does not have the benefit of 2 Chronicles 7 and 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, that's a fail on the first part of the verse. To humble the self, that's a total F. Talk less of repent of their sins and all the rest of the verse. And so Isaiah is being told, go forth, you that are sanctified, go forth, not you and your pastor, just you that I called. I said, who will go? And you put up your hand. It wasn't you and your general overseer. It was just you. And I said, come forward, Isaiah. Now I have an assignment for you. Go unto these people and harden them. Isaiah never touched them. Isaiah went through a lot. Isaiah walked around naked for three years as a sign to them that the time was coming when they would go naked into captivity and naked they went. And when you hear the slavery chronicles, the four prophecies of the Lord that I will make here, you will find out that slavery and nakedness are going to come to the United States and everyone around the world is going to see it. It will be an international trade of naked people into the centers of Russia and China and anywhere else that they are going to send people. So you can go and watch at least the one that I made. I think it was 2020 I made that video. It's called America in Chains. You can find it on the blog. It's the only one of the four that is a video, but it is one series. So Isaiah is told, I've prepared you and I've given you a word, now go and tell them that the more you speak, the more they will hear but not understand. So this is a curse. I hope you're listening because there's a second curse that I have to read to you out of Ezekiel chapter two. I have been saying for many years that if you don't read Ezekiel chapter two and Ezekiel chapter three, you will never understand what's going on here. So um, you're hearing the difficulty. You might actually read them and still not believe, but may the Lord grant you grace. If your heart is soft enough, if you only have formed half of the shield and the other half is not so baked, you might be able to rip that thing apart. And what rips the shield apart is repentance, humility, 
and repentance. So that is just a help. And then Isaiah says to the Lord, because he hears the gravity of the words and he knows what it means. When God is saying that he will not show you mercy by allowing your eyes to be open, but he's saying their ears will be heavy, meaning they will say, I don't want to hear this. She gives me a funny feeling. There's something not quite right about her. I can't put my finger on it because that's what the Bible says. The Bible says, go forth and discerneth thou by the finger. And when thy finger resteth, then the prophecy is true. But when thy finger cannot findeth a place to rest, let thy finger return to Noah in the ark, for there be no fit word in the prophet. That's what the Bible says, right? By thy finger thou shalt discern. So discern with your finger. And the Lord's words are that the ear will be heavy, the eyes will be shut. For if they opened their eyes, and if they heard with their ears, they would have understanding in the heart. And listen to this missed opportunity. And they would return, and I would heal them. So Isaiah says, Lord, how long? This is Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 11. If the video goes long, you can watch it in parts. You can listen to it as you drive. He says, Lord, how long? And the Lord answers, until their cities are laid to waste and without inhabitant, until the houses are without a man and the land is utterly desolate. The Lord has removed men far away. And the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. And so God tells Isaiah that this pronouncement of spiritual dullness, rejecting the word of the Lord, cursing the word of the Lord, YouTubing the word of the Lord for followers. He said he will do it until the cities are destroyed and have no one living in them. I've prophesied here already that America will be empty at the end. So people, you have to do the work. There's 400 and something prophecies here, at least 470 or something like that. And on the blog, there are even more than that because at least for many years, I was able to keep written prophecies and video prophecies in sync. But there was a separation that happened somewhere in the middle of the year. The Lord was giving me too many prophecies and I had to decide, am I running with the video, which is immediate and you get the word, or am I going to be writing, which is a much slower task. And no, to those who write me and ask me, can I please transcribe for you? The answer is no. No one will ever have access to the master's voice prophecy dashboard, and no one is ever going to have access to my notebooks and journal. That is a hard no. Thank you for your kindness, but that is a kindness that I will not risk my soul on. So thank you. So God is telling him that the dullness will continue until the judgment actually comes upon them. And the judgment will be that their cities are going to be laid waste. You have hear heard here on TMV, that many cities will be bombed. The Lord says that the Russians will do carpet bombing here, which is just the same indiscriminate bombing that America has done in Iraq and she has done in Syria. You just, you just fly over and you just drop the things. You don't do reconnaissance. You don't find out what's a school, what's a hospital, what's anything. You just go for broke. And it was the Lord who was even explaining to me about this remote 
warfare, drone warfare, things like that. And so uh, whatever you see happening here, the Lord says it will be the exact replica of what the United States has done. Exactly how America has fought wars for, I guess, the last 30, 40 years, the way she's done it, however she's done it, uh, bringing people over here by rendition and putting them in Guantanamo. There's a prophecy that at the very end, I think there's about 20 minutes on Guantanamo, the things that are done to people in Guantanamo, how those people actually die. Don't think those people are over there getting um, fruit salad and waiting for the day when America will say, well, we've questioned you for about 28 years and your story is pretty consistent, so we're flying you home. People get on this soil and their funeral is over there at that place and God just wants you to know, and I have prophesied it peacefully to you, that as those people died denying involvement in terror plots, as they died denying that they ever touched anything called 9-11, he said that as they died crying to see their wives and children one more time, when Russia comes here, Russia will take people and question them mercilessly and tell them just things like, who are you working for? And you're going to say, I work for H&R Block. And they will say, who are you working for? And you will say, please, I'm an accountant. And God says the same way that America never believed those people until they passed on, these people will question and sequester and punish and torture until a man will lose his life crying to see his wife and his two daughters one last time. As you have done, so shall it be done to you. Mix her a cup and pour it out and make her drink it to the lees. That means to the last, last bitter grainy drops that are at the bottom of the cup. And so until the cities are wasted with warfare, wasted with judgments, wasted with these huge burning rocks that I saw coming out of the sky, until the cities have no inhabitant, until Russia bombs here, I think that message is called Russia conquest and war. And I said that in that prophecy, the Lord showed me something called impact zones, which is where they will bomb a place and use nuclear. Because what I saw is that some parts of America became absolutely uninhabitable. You couldn't live there. And then they had red zones. I guess that's the core impact place. And then they had orange zone and then a blue zone and then a green zone. And people could live in the blue and the green zone. Um, yes. So that will happen. So um, there are places where the land will be without inhabitant. And then at the end when people are taken away in judgments of slavery and things like that, well, obviously the population count will go down as well as the Lord says that disease will ravage here and the population count will go down. And the houses are without a man. So I spoke of this and the prophecy is called the mother of seven, that when war comes here and also when invasion comes here, the population that will be cut down obviously is the population that has testosterone and wants to fight. So when it says the houses are without a man, this scripture goes two ways. It means a house that has no living people in it. Either they've all run away to Cambodia to be safe there, or there's only women and children living there because the men, the male population has been cut down. When you read scripture and you hear, oh, the mighty cedars have fallen and the young sycamores are cut down, nobody's talking about horticulture there. The Bible is not talking about trees. The Bible is talking about the cutting down of able-bodied fighting age men. 
And so God is saying that the deafness upon the eyes and I mean the deafness upon the ears and the blindness upon the eyes will continue until the judgment falls. And what he's basically saying is this, and I've been consistent in saying this, America, you will never believe me until the day you are forced to believe me. And this is a punishment that the righteous must also suffer because the righteous people keep saying, will he do this? Will he surely he won't punish the righteous with the guilty? No, he won't. But this is a nation upon which the judgment is upon the land. If you hear me speaking of them bombing a place, is there a separate land that we live in? Is there a bomb sector and then a non-bomb sector? Yes, the righteous can expect God's faithfulness. The righteous can expect that God will find a way to get you food. God will find a way to get you from dangerous situations. But just imagine the life that he's telling you about is definitely not a life where you get to snuggle up in the Netflix thing and watch what you like. You can't think that situations like this will have you safe in your house still watching stuff on TV, electricity, food, Amazon. You can't possibly expect that. And so even the fallout of war, when the unrighteous are being judged, is still punishment. And the main punishment we will have to suffer is living with the wicked who say that the prophecy should not come, is living with the wicked who say that the prophecies are not true. If you live in the midst of the wicked and the judgment is coming to the wicked, then what can the righteous do? The very foundation that we're standing on is smashed up. People don't love God and they don't receive God's messages. And so, until God has removed men far away, this is the captivity. I see now why the Holy Spirit laid this, the, these messages upon my heart because definitely I'm about to go into the prophecies um, of people being taken away from this land for multiple sins. So it is not only the fact that America had slaves, America has the dubious honor of being the only nation that fought a war against herself to keep slaves. That's not me. That's the Lord saying it. It's in one of the slavery prophecies. I'll try to do a playlist and put it on the community post page. So, um, until God has removed men far away, people will be scattered to the four corners of the earth. People will either go by themselves, free will going diaspora or being taken away by captivity, slavery. And the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. And so that is that part clearly taught and explained to you. And hopefully you will hear and understand. And before I go into the second reading, I will address something that um, the Lord spoke to me about it. It might be two months ago. Um, and he spoke to me about it this morning. So I can read a little bit. It was from my own, it is my own thing that the Lord was speaking to me about when I woke up early this morning, just briefly, briefly. When I woke up, the Lord said to me, be sure to pursue everything that comes before you as soon as it comes. Be sure to pursue everything that comes before you as soon as it comes. Make the most out of every hour that you get because the days are about to get shorter. They are messing with time and space using CERN. 
And as a result of that, the time you have will be the time you make. Pray for grace so that you can do all that's expected of you. Just a moment, please. So then you can hear what the Lord is saying is surely good and helpful advice to anyone who is busy, whether you're married or whether you're single, whether you're working, you're currently employed, or whether you are not working at the moment, unfortunately, but you're trying to get back into the workforce because you can see what the economy is doing, that life is becoming much harder. And here the Lord just comes very early in the morning, as soon as I open my eyes and he says, just be sure to pursue everything that comes before you as soon as it comes. So I could easily just not share this, or I could just leave it and leave you to figure it out. But what he's saying is that the time of procrastination, the time of I'll get to it later is done. And you may have always started to notice, you may have already started to notice that if things come up and you attempt to delay them until a later time, it ends up being more costly for you. It ends up being more difficult to do. You end up perhaps losing the opportunity altogether or the ease with which you could have done it, maybe because there's a partner there to help. Maybe you had a friend free at that time who was willing to lend a hand. Maybe someone in the office was staying a little late and had you jumped on that thing, that person had the necessary expertise and wouldn't have minded giving you an extra hour of their time to help you puzzle it out. But once you table it, God is saying that anybody who's trying to roll anything over laziness, procrastination, please listen, even if you are not being lazy or procrastinating, even if you are just tired, what God is actually saying here in pursue everything that's before you, as soon as it comes, he's literally telling you that more oil is going to be required. Extra mile is going to be required. You are now going to have to just say, I don't drink coffee, but perhaps I will just have a small one because I see a window here and I have to take it because should you not take the window, you will then find that going through the door costs twice as much or is twice as hard, or you will try the door and it will be soundly locked against you. The opportunity will go. It will be gone. He says, make the most out of every hour. So what are you doing? You are doing in season planning. I spoke about this in the same video where I was talking about time and dimensions and things like that. And I will share a little bit on that from my notes. Some of these things that the Lord tells me are just, I write them down faithfully. I've always said, I don't need to have in-depth knowledge. I don't need to go and start reading papers off of JSTOR um, to follow what the Lord is saying. It is enough to hear the, the English that he speaks and write it down and have it in the journal. And some people, when they hear, it makes sense to them. Some of you who are spending all your time watching Avengers, some things just make sense to you. For me, I'm not deep delving into them too deep. When the Lord is ready to open them up to me fully, then he will open them up to me fully, and then I will have more knowledge than I have now. So make the most out of every hour that you get because the days are about to get shorter. Making the most out of every hour means that instead of doing day planning, you're now doing hourly planning. You're now making the hours count as opposed to making the day count or making the week count or doing this, I have a monthly planning schedule. The day 
The hours are now about to come become your full day. What am I going to do in the first 15 minutes, the second 15 minutes, the third quarter, and the fourth quarter? You're now treating your hours like days to maximize. And why are you doing that? Because the Lord says that the days are going to get shorter because people are messing with time and space using CERN. So this, this large Hadron Collider thing, they are using it to smash, they call it smashing time or smashing particles or dark matter, whatever they are saying over there in their lying brochures, the outcome of what they are doing, the final effects of what they are doing is making the days shorter. It is making time shorter. Time seems to be flying and people are gasping to keep, to keep up. It seems that you look, it's the first, and then it's the 17th, you look again, and then it's February the 3rd. And so he says that the time is getting shorter, the days are getting shorter because of manipulation of this CERN thing. And as a result of that, the time we end up with will have to be the time that we make. Celestial, I have a job, I'm very busy, I want to spend more time with the Lord. You will make the time or you just won't spend time with the Lord. An angel will not come down and create special intimate time for you with God. If you have a demanding job and you want to excel at that job, you will actually learn how to spiritually tithe. You will learn that waking up and sacrificing that hour in the morning or staying up and sacrificing that hour at the night, making sure that you are faithful with those spiritual tithes. I'm going to wait until these kids go to bed and then I'm going to do my hour no matter what because he deserves to hear my songs and he deserves to not only hear my prayers, Lord, I'm so overworked, Lord, they need so much from me, Lord, my family is draining me, but actually ministering to the Lord. So the angels do this, they minister to the Lord, but then human beings only want the vacuum to come this way. They want to suck out of God and then put nothing back in because they think, well, God is self-sufficient and God is omniscient and God doesn't need anything from me. And yet God has told us that if we will not give the praise, if we will not give the honor, if we will not give the songs, then he will simply get the rocks to do it. So then clearly he may not need it, but he enjoys it. And for one who gives us so much, why not? Why not? We will have to make the time. If there's something that's important to you, you want to work on your marriage, you will simply have to make the time. You want to get promoted, you will simply have to make the time to get the extra tools, the continuing study, so that you can be worthy of a promotion. You will not just pray your way into getting promoted and then when they promote you, then we just watch you coming flaming down like Saul and Samuel. Two people who were promoted and their, their character could not sustain them at that high level and they just came flaming down and just ended in ashes and smoke. And so, he says to pray for grace so that you can do all that's expected of you. And so this is just me sharing a little bit with you about what the Lord has shown me. And one of the things that I covered in an old video is what I saw uh, so much confusion in the last video when I was reading from the word and I was saying um, that the, the lion will lay down with the lamb. People, every, what Bible are you reading? Um, can you please let me know what version of the Bible that you're reading? I was reading my New King James Version. 
And it does say wolf there, but the problem is this. I've been reading my Bible for a long time, lucky for me, and it didn't always used to say wolf. It clearly used to say lion. In fact, you can see that the logo of the Master's Voice Prophecy blog is not a wolf with a, with a lamb, it is a lion with a lamb because the Bible used to say lion. So I understand that this is a bee in millions of Christians' bonnets. I've spoken on it before. And the Lord did clarify that these things are coming from the manipulation of our time and our space. If time allows, in fact, directly after this, I will share um, a dream that I had in October of 2022, and I barely understood anything that I saw in that dream but I think that it is important. And I think the Lord also has told me quite clearly that whatever I hold back, I will be responsible for it. He said to tell you everything. And so whether I understand or not, I will tell you. But these changes are coming from people who are doing things to this world using secretive, occultic, fallen angel means. This part the pastors in, in church are not telling you, yet it is true. There is something that is making the Bible different. Now, I've shared the upfront dreams that I've had concerning how the Bible will be in the future. The Bible will be as thin as a magazine before it finally gets done away with altogether. The Bible is going to undergo harsh changes. Every single prophecy book is going to be taken out. The beast system is going to give us what you can just call the aesthetic Bible. That's the Bible that all the fake Christians, the ones who are so outraged when real gospel is preached to them, that's the Bible these guys are going to love. You know why? Because it's light Christianity with an accent on the end. It's not Christianity, it is Christianity, light and non-offensive. All the prophecy books that talk about the re return of Jesus Christ, the power of Jesus Christ, Revelation will be gone and Daniel will be gone and First and Second Thessalonians will be gone and Matthew will be out of there. Jesus will be back as the hippie that we can all love. Any part of the Bible that talks about the man of sin, anywhere that Apostle Paul is really whacking those weeds, it's going to be gone. It's going to be a light, non-offensive, thin magazine book. And as I saw that light, non-offensive book with Daniel gone and all the prophets gone, and just the parts that say, for if you love your neighbor as yourself, have you not done well? You won't even remember. You won't even realize how the Bible can look like that. That light thing, as I saw it, I just saw hands running for it like that. It could barely stay on the shelves because this is the Bible for the goats. The goats don't want to be distressed and told to stop shacking up and stop eating weed gummies and do the right thing in the sight of God. So the, the goats will be told that this is the Bible for the new millennial man. That new fake Bible will be loved and real Christians, you will be holding, you will be like the Chinese Christians. If you just have two pages of original John, original John, book of John, you will be wearing it close to your heart and walking around in those days. Oh yes, hello comrade, yes. Yes, the new Reich is wonderful, but in your clothes, you are holding your true treasure. It will not be your Apple cell phone. 
It will be those two pages of John that you will be wearing on your person. You will be holding the word of God close to your heart the way that you could have now, but you were too busy on TikTok. The real Bible will be gone. It will be tampered with. It will be called difficult. It will be call called a source of confusion. And we who love it in its normal form will be hated right along with it. This is for certain. This is for sure. But to detail my own experience, I first noticed this thing. I don't know. I just noticed it one day because of the shock that it caused me when I was doing my Bible reading. And I saw that the, the primary story, which was a turning point for me, in the Lord speaking to me very clearly and the Lord being the one who is in charge of my reading. Let me put my tablet to the side. I don't need it for the moment. The primary story had changed. It was not the same. And when I was reading it, I was so dumbfounded because I couldn't explain what had happened to my Bible. Just a moment here. And so, this is in Matthew chapter 9, and the Lord is speaking to his disciples about the wineskins. This thing has always been known in Christendom as the power of the wineskins, the same way that that passage in Isaiah has always said that the lion, the lion, and not the wolf, the lion who usually will only be mentioned in the Bible as a picture of judgment, I will be unto them as a lion on the road. Then the Lord is saying, I will be unto them as a tearing and terrifying force. Or he's speaking of the lion as courage, but the lion is not really painted in scripture negatively. However, wolves have no positive connotation in the Bible. So it's kind of concerning when Christians keep saying, yes, it says wolf. It says wolf in what universe? And I will speak on that also. In what universe? Which one says wolf with lamb? It never said that back then when some of us were reading our Bibles. And so this parable of the wineskins was one of the clearest ways that the Lord began to communicate with me. Very clear. I was reading my Bible right, 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 right at the beginning of my salvation. And I heard a man say to me, I was home alone um, and I was reading the Bible and I heard a man say to me very clearly, do you understand what you are reading? Now, I didn't hear this with my audible ears, but I, I nevertheless heard the, a man say to me very clearly, do you understand what you are reading? And I just said, no, I don't. I used to read my Bible all the time, and I used to have conversations with God all the time, and God didn't have to answer me. There's no need for God to answer you when you are doing your Bible study. God is here. The Bible is Jesus. He's already present. You be present, and you interact with what you're reading. Ponder it. Chew it with your teeth. Mutter it, says the Hebrew. Speak on it. Chew on it. It may be tough in the beginning, but that's not the problem with the word. Your jaws are weak. You are used to sugar 
and being told your best life now. Strengthen these jaws because we are going to get iron food in the future and you will need to know how to crush it so that the sweetness and the sustenance of the word of God can come into your mouth. This is why babies have parents. Some babies get so sick that they can't even eat the food. Their moms are poor and their moms don't have blenders. Their moms chew the food and give it to the babies. Even in the animal kingdom, they do that. So parents, you will need to feed your kids this word at their level. Some of them can't read. You will need to simplify the Bible stories and teach them the principles of honesty, righteousness, courage, respectfulness. Jesus loves respectful children. Stop walking around here and lying and talking about he's young and that's just his personality come out. You are building a troll at home and that troll will turn 16 and hand you over to the beast system. No problem. Her praying gets on my nerves. 911 beast system, please come and get her because it's illegal to pray and she's still at it. You have that teen at home right now. You are looking at the jail time that you made. So I suggest you start to pray and intercede and ask God to forgive you for all the negligence and all the non-teaching. The Lord says that this is a nation that teaches the children fairy stories from the cradle and will never mention his name in that house one time until that boy or that girl goes off to college. And then he says, when your transvestite angry lesbian comes back, then you are acting all shocked, like you don't know that sowing seeds brings up a harvest. And so the Lord is speaking to me and he asked me, do you know what you were reading? And at the time I just said, no, I do not know what I'm reading. And then he began to explain to me the parable of the wineskins that he had earlier explained to his disciples that nobody who makes new wine will put the new wine into old wineskins. You will put the new wine into new wineskins. Now I've heard it in church and now I'm reading it for study, but all I'm reading is wine and bags and things like that. And this man began to explain to me that the reason you put new wine into new wineskins is because the wineskin has just come off of a fresh sheep or a fresh goat. It's young leather, still has stretch in it. And we all know that wine is fizzy and wine is bubbly and wine is very active going through the fermentation process. And they didn't used to put, they didn't have the barrel process that we have now to age the wine in barrels because wood also has stretch in it. So you would put the fresh, active, bubbly wine, which is representative of Jesus, his ministry, the way that he came explosive, the way that he would teach with authority, the way that he would teach with power, the way that he was nothing like the Pharisees who were old and stagnant and had made the word of God a burden to the people. Jesus was dynamic and different. Everybody in the ministry was young. You look at the ministry, you've got a tax collector in there. You've got a doctor in there. You've got this person. This man is stopping off and eating with Zacchaeus, who was a pariah in the community because he was a man of the community working for the Romans. People are spitting when Zacchaeus walks past. And then Jesus says, oh, I have to break bread in your house. He's earned himself a reputation, a reputation of being unorthodox, a man who sits with the prostitutes and the sinners. People love that verse nowadays. 
Jesus sat with the prostitutes. Did he become their pimp? No. He told them to repent and change. The only reason that Jesus stops by the house of the sinner is to evoke change. But sinners nouveau don't want to change. They just want to cut off the scripture and say, but he ate with the prostitutes he might have, but they were all repenting and changing their ways and becoming women of the cloth when he left. If Jesus cannot evoke change, what's the point of him stopping by? He certainly doesn't stop by to become corrupted by their sinners. He stops by to bring them out of their sin. Where light come, it exposes darkness to give the darkness an opportunity to repent and change. So anyway, this dynamic ministry could not be contained by the Pharisees. They were old, they were decrepit, they were crusty, they wanted to protect their position and they would not listen. They were proud. Who was this man with his little plucky beard and who does he think he is? Abraham is our father and all the rest. And so that's not, that's why no one in the ministry was a Pharisee or a Sadducee. They were fishermen and people that were just unorthodox, people that the religious ecclesia would never have called, for they were not men of letters, just a few of them. I think Luke the doctor, Matthew, a tax guy. Most of them were just not the usual picks. And Jesus was explaining to me that the new wine goes into new wineskins because the new wineskin is young leather and it can stretch. The new wine is going to stretch you, especially when you have been drinking from the pulpits, the sewer pulpits, the Freemasons, and you are filled with dirt. When the new wine comes in, there's going to be a clash of kingdoms within you and you are going to have to decide which one will escape as gas and which one will remain as finely aged wine. And because that process is a boxing match, the bag needs to be flexible young leather. As the fermentation process happens, the bag expands because the bag can take it. And I sat there in awe listening to this man explain all these things that are not on Google. And I said, hmm, now I understand. So imagine one day, many, many years later, I go back to my Bible and the Bible is talking about no one puts new wine into bottles. Bottles, bottles from where? Where are we getting bottles in the, in the, old, in the New Testament? At what time are we getting bottles when the bags are holding the wine and all the cups, we can hear from Nebuchadnezzar's reign coming down to the Roman era. The cups are all iron or silver or gold. Where is the glass blowing process at this time? It is nowhere. How did the word bottles get into the text? I was confused. And I went and I dug up an old Bible, a Bible from 2002 my first Bible. I went to dig up this Bible and I don't know by what form of witchery, but it said bottles and not wineskins. So that is just that. The words of the Bible are changing. And the only advice that I can give you is you can make a big deal about it now and make blogs about it and make it the one issue that you camp on, or you can try to stuff as much of what is remaining into your hearts. 
another place that has changed, I'm only giving you examples that I experienced myself, that I saw myself and cannot explain. I have a King James, a 1971 edition, and this Bible, my purple Bible, is from 2006. This NKJV still has wineskins in it. My 1971 KJV and the old Bible that I had from 2002, also a KJV. Everything in them has changed. The new, the new King James is still the same. And so I will read to you out of the King James, Matthew, Matthew 18 and verse 20, which is also something that has changed. <clears throat> 